Greetings, everyone. I am Theo Hickmat. I'm also known as Jason Zelda, singer-songwriter and Bible teacher. You know, reputations are like virginity. You only get one. And if you lose it, you can't get it back. And I'm saying that to say this. I had originally put up the Hidden from Jehovah's Witness video and realized after getting a comment from Locke Sween and Kate Amara that something that I had said in the video was not correct. I went back and checked it, and indeed, I had messed up. So I want to bring it to your attention right from the very beginning. I pulled the video down, corrected the error. I had originally said that Jehovah's Witnesses are forbidden to drink. They're not forbidden to drink. They're told they can drink in moderation. So I took that part out because it's not correct. And I'm bringing it to your attention. Rather than hiding it from you, rather than just editing the video and putting it back up there as if nothing happened, I'm coming to you right from the beginning and saying, look, me, Theo Hickmat, I messed up on that one. And I'm bringing it to you and saying, look, guys, I'm sorry. I pulled the video down, corrected the error, and then I'm putting it back up because I want to make sure that everything that I present to you is 100% accurate. Just wanted to bring that to your attention. So, um... Also, for the video for United Technologies, if you look up that video on YouTube, it has different music underneath of it, underneath all the helicopters flying around. I had to change the music because when I originally uploaded the video, YouTube flagged me for that song and said, basically, they're going to block the video if I don't take the song off. So I took the song off and replaced it with a song that I wrote. I think it fit pretty good with the background, actually. But uh, that's something I want to let you guys know if you happen to look it up. Everything that I put in my videos, I want to be absolute accurate. So, again, thank you for Locke Sween and Kate Amara for bringing it to my attention. And we're going to go ahead now with the Hidden from Jehovah's Witness video number eight. I might even call it video 8A or something just so that people will know that, you know, I'm not trying to cover up anything. I'm bringing it down here before you right before you, right at the very beginning of the video, letting you know that I messed up. So I fixed the error, and everything should be good now. So let's go ahead and enjoy the video and learn more things that are hidden from Jehovah's Witnesses. Thank you. You know, I, I thought I was going to be able to get some rest, but there's still more to be done. So... Uh, here we are with video number eight of the Hidden from Jehovah's Witness series. This is the Hidden from Jehovah's Witness video number eight, and this should be the last one. Because the information that I've run into here, that I'm going to be handing to you, if this doesn't reach you, if you're a Jehovah's Witness and you've been questioning what's going on inside the group. If there's something that's been inside you and you've been wondering, you know, there's something about this group that's not right and you just can't put your finger on it. Hopefully this video will be the one that finally breaks those chains and sets you free from this group. If you have the capability, save this video to your computer. Because the information that's on here is, uh, let's just get to it. The Jehovah Witness religion is built 
on a very soft foundation. It is a foundation that can be easily broken if you know where to hit it. It stands on a faulty belief that in 1918 God chose that religion and only that religion to be the ones to bring his truth to the world. The leadership that runs the Jehovah Witness religion, calling themselves the governing body or the faithful and discreet slave or the slave, has been dictating to the Jehovah's Witness for years everything from how they can wear their hair to the kind of clothes they can wear, uh, whether they can watch movies or can't watch movies, who they can marry, who they can't marry. Those of you who have been following the series have even heard speeches where they're telling their members, don't get married, don't have children because the end is so near. The question on the table is, if these men are not who they claim to be, the whole Jehovah's Witness religion falls apart. If they are not God's representatives on the earth, the whole house of cards comes tumbling down. And this video, I'm going to deal with the governing body. The group of men at the top who claim they are God's anointed men. And we're going to deal with these men right here and right now. They have come out with so many articles boasting about who they are and their powers and their abilities, telling their members that they have to obey the faithful and discreet slave in order to be satisfying to God. In Australia, August 2015, a member of the governing body appeared in court by way of closed-circuit television in order to answer for some of the child abuse, child rape, child molestation, and other things that have been taking place inside the organization. On their broadcast, they claim that this whole allegation of child abuse and child molestation inside the group is all made up by apostates, just a bunch of people attacking the organization. But when you get the governing body member in the court of law and have him swear on the Bible, swearing to Almighty God to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, all of a sudden, his story changes. We're going to deal with that in just a moment. But I have a bombshell to drop, and it's about to drop now. I want to first of all thank Evie, I believe it's Evie Brooklyn on YouTube. She had a video talking about the Australian Royal Commission and that the fact that this governing body member named Jeffrey Jackson appeared in court. I went and watched the whole thing, his testimony. I'm going to break that down for you in just a few moments. When I began to do research on this, I found some things that I had said, I have got to make a video on this. I'll rest later. The Watchtower Bible and Tract Society Incorporated is a company, as I've been stressing in these videos. It's not a religion. It is a company that poses as a religion. It is a company that sells books and magazines 
and it buys and sells property in large amounts. As of January 2015, it is estimated that the Watchtower Bible and Tract Society owns over 80,000 properties around the world. One of the questions I had was, they're telling their members that Armageddon's going to break out any second, and after Armageddon's over, that Jehovah's going to give the entire planet to Jehovah's Witnesses. So if Jehovah's going to give the whole planet to Jehovah's Witnesses, why are they buying up the land when it's going to be given to them? And where are they getting the money to buy up these multi-million dollar land properties they're buying up all over the world? Including an FAA, Federal Aviation Administration training facility? Telecom company on top of that? They're buying up all kinds of stuff around the world. When they're telling their members, be afraid, be afraid, be very afraid, Armageddon's going to break out any second, and they're just sitting back raking in the money, buying up property and selling property and making money on top of money, hand over fist. And what are they doing with some of this money that they're bringing in? Well, what they're doing is they're buying stocks. Now, there's no sin in buying stock. Unless you're the Watchtower Bible and Tract Society and you tell your members there are certain things you can't do or you're going to be brought before a judicial committee or you'll be disfellowshipped if you do these things. Every year, the Watchtower Bible and Tract Society, just like every other corporation like Coca-Cola and Walmart and Target and all the rest of them, they have to file with the IRS. It doesn't matter if they're tax-exempt. On the religious side, they're tax-exempt. But the Watchtower Bible and Tract Society Incorporated is a company, and they have to file every year with the IRS. And that information is public. It's not private. On your screen right now, if you're watching the video, is a link to a website. I want you to go ahead and type it in so that you can follow right along with me. This is the website that holds the stock information for the Watchtower Bible and Tract Society. It's the official tax records for the Watchtower Bible and Tract Society, all made public. It appears they've been involved in the stock market since 2002. So I decided to check the 2014 stocks to see what stocks did God's organization invest their money in. You're going to be shocked. You're going to be really shocked. What is God's organization investing money in? First of all, take a look at your screen. When you type in that address, you're going to get this screen. On this screen, you see where it has the name of the company there. It says Watchtower Bible and Track right there. You'll see the folders at the top, and you'll see it says 990. Click on the one that says 990. It'll bring you to this screen. Now, this one you see from 2002 to 2014. You can click on each one of those, and when you do, it'll give you a PDF, and the PDF will give you the information of what stocks that they purchased, how much money they made, the whole nine yards for that particular year. We're going to click on 2014. When you click on 2014, you will see the tax record at the top, the tax form, 990. You'll see there, clearly as day, Watchtower Bible and Track Society. Just scroll down again, Watchtower Bible and Track Society. You want to scroll down to where 
you see the the picture of the pie graft. That's where the actual stocks appear. That's the page that it appears on with the pie graft. Okay. Now it says here at the top of the page, account statement. The account number, 104-500-1628. Statement period, May 1st, 2013 through April 30th, 2014. So May 1st, 2013 through April 30th, 2014. Let's take a look at some of the stocks that the Watchtower Bible and Tract Society, God's organization, has been investing in. Are these godly stocks? Let's take a look. Adobe Systems, 90,000 shares. Amazon.com, 15,000 shares. American Express, 90,000 shares. American International Group, 210,000 shares. Amgen Incorporated, 110,000 shares. Apple Inc., 25,000 shares. Avery Dennison, 100,000 shares. Bank of America, 180,000 shares. Baxter International, 50,000 shares. Bershaw Hathaway, 110,000 shares. Biggins, 20,000 shares. BlackRock Incorporated, 25,000 shares. Boeing Company, 20,000 shares. Let's stop there. Boeing Company not only makes customer and, and uh, jetliners, they also make military airplanes. Now, the Watchtower Bible and Tract Society leadership is quick to tell their members they can have nothing to do with military, and they can certainly have nothing to do with government. Yet here they are investing 20,000 shares, buying 20,000 shares of Boeing. Here's a video of just some of what Boeing produces. Bob and Boeing complement each other. It's a complementary team that will actually be able to bring this to the customer in a very, very good way. So as you saw in the video, Boeing makes military aircraft. Yet the Watchtower Society leads their members to believe they have nothing to do with government and nothing to do with military. Let's keep reading through here and see what else they have on here that they didn't tell you about. Bristol Myers Squibb, 90,000 shares. CBS News Corp, 90,000 shares. Selgin Corporation, 60,000 shares. ConocoPhillips, 145,000 shares. Jehovah's Witness, brace yourself for the next one. Constellation Brands, Inc., 30,000 shares. Do you know what Constellation Brands, Inc. is? Fermented beverages of every kind. 
For more than 5,000 years, wines, beers, and distilled spirits have played an important role in the daily lives of people everywhere. Precious symbols marking the good times in life of special friendships, shared blessings, and a welcomed reward for a hard day's work. Today, no beverage company does more to reward its customers than Constellation by giving our distributors, retailers, and consumers exactly what they want. Constellation, rich in tradition, keen of vision, a company on the move that has seized the opportunity to bring many of the industry's leading names in beverage alcohol together to become the largest single supplier of beer, wine, and distilled spirits in the United States and the number one producer of wine, cider, and bottled water in the United Kingdom. A good portion of these sales comes from more than 180 popular brands, many of the top names in their beverage categories from our company's four operating divisions, including Barton Incorporated, Matthew Clark, Canandaigua Wine Company, and Franciscan Estates. That's right, Jehovah's Witness. Constellation Brands makes alcohol, wine, and spirits. They invest 30,000 shares in a company that makes wine and spirits. It gets worse. Devon Energy Corporation, 150,000 shares. Walt Disney Corporation, 100,000 shares. Walt Disney Corporation makes some pretty good movies. But these are movies, many, that promote witchcraft. What does the Watchtower say about witchcraft and magic? I got no problem watching them because as a Christian, I realize where the real power is. Some of the movies are pretty entertaining. But you have an organization like the Watchtower that condemns movies that have this kind of stuff in it. Yet here they are investing 100,000 shares, buying 100,000 shares of Walt Disney Corporation. Dow Chemicals, 70,000. I'm not going to read off all of them because I want you all to be able to look at some of these for yourself. But some of these are going to jump out at you. Facebook, 140,000 shares. Facebook, 140,000 shares. General Electric is another one on the list. Google, 16,000 shares. Here's one for you. Honeywell International, Inc. What is Honeywell International? Take a look at the video. From outer space to cyberspace, our clients are primed for success. Anytime, anywhere. That's what we live by at Honeywell Technology Solutions. It's not just words on paper. It's what our clients have come to expect for more than 50 years. When clients partner with us, they know they're getting the best combination of people, processes, technology, and safety at the right price. Whatever the need, logistics, satellite mission operations, cybersecurity, healthcare, 
software engineering, systems development, mission assurance, or critical infrastructure protection. We deliver top performance in some of the most challenging environments around the world. Recently, we've been leveraging our competencies and proven success rate in allied nations in the Middle East and Southeast Asian markets. Take what we do in pre-positioning. We make it possible for the Marines to get anywhere in the world in 10 days with all the supplies and equipment they need to fulfill a 30-day mission, whether it's combat operations or humanitarian relief. Honeywell Operating System, HOS, a customized extension of Lean Six Sigma, is the reason why we're the industry leader in large-scale pre-positioning, not just with the Marines, but with the Army, too. We're bringing the best technology and processes to bear, a Honeywell decision support tool that develops maintenance plans and schedules for dozens of Army maintenance centers, reducing the time it takes to develop these plans from weeks to mere minutes. With the Honeywell operating system and a committed workforce, we are optimizing the performance of the worldwide Air Force Satellite Control Network. In order to save time, I cut the commercial there. It's a long commercial, but I think you get the point. That's right. Honeywell International is another company that makes military machines. That's two that they've invested in that promotes the makings of weapons of war. Now, again, I love the military. Okay, I got nothing against the military. I love the military myself. But the Watchtower Society has spoken out against the military over and over and over again. And you know that in their publications and in their speeches. Yet here they are investing again in another company that makes military equipment. My question is, when you invest in a company, you want that company to grow and expand and get bigger because the more they expand and get bigger, the more products they make, the higher their stocks go, and the more stock that you own of their company, the more money you get. So if you're investing in companies that makes weapons of war, then what are you hoping to happen? War. So that the Armaments destroyed, and they have to make new ones. Armaments destroyed, got to make new ones. If they make new ones, there's more money in your pocket. It's the Watchtower Bible and Tract Society, Honeywell Incorporated. Here's another one I want you to take a listen to. Ready for this one? Lionsgate Entertainment. What's Lionsgate Entertainment? That's the movies. You know, the same movies they will take you to a judicial committee over like Twilight, like The Hunger Games, movies they don't want you to see. Yet here they are investing, what is this here? 170,000 shares they purchased of Lionsgate Entertainment. 170,000 shares in a movie company that makes movies that promote sex and violence and things that they say are ungodly. There's the Watchtower. I can guarantee you these governing body members watch movies. But they don't want you to watch them. But it gets worse. Lionsgate also makes the uh, Texas Chainsaw 3D movie. They don't want you watching that. 
But guess who helped fund it? Through the buying of the shares of the Lionsgate Company. Watchtower. How about this one? Brace yourself again, Jehovah's Witness. Molson Coors Brewing Company. 90,000 shares. What's Molson Coors Brewing Company? Check the video. We've always been innovating and really differentiating ourselves from other brewers as being a brewer that really knows how to innovate. The role of consumers in innovation is paramount. and They consistently look for new news in the marketplace, things that are going to encourage them to buy our products. So our understanding of the consumers is really important. We need to understand where they are, what they're looking for, what makes them excited about our products. And then we need to put products together that have those attributes. The most innovative change I've seen working here is how people work together. The innovations that we've done, the Illumitech that we're doing now, some of the sharing on flavor work, it's really made us a more efficient organization. I think we're always stronger as a team than we are as individuals. And that's what's really going to make us successful in the future. And it applies to all aspects, but specifically innovation. My name is Greg Wade, and my innovation starts right here. That's the second alcohol company, beer company, that the Watchtower Bible and Tract Society has invested heavily into. If you're investing, buying the stock from a company, you want that company to grow. You want them to sell a lot of their product so that you can make a lot of money. Right after Lionsgate, there's Lockheed Martin. Lockheed Martin with 30,000 shares purchased by the Watchtower Society. What is Lockheed Martin? Check the video.
So as you see there in the video, Lockheed Martin, another military weapons manufacturer. I myself love the military, stand for our military. I have two sisters that are in the military, so I really back and support our military. But when the Watchtower Society comes out with all these publications attacking the military, now you find out behind the scenes they've been investing in the military. And as I said before, when you buy stock in a company, you want that company to grow and expand. So if they're buying stock in a company that makes military weapons of war, what are you wanting to happen? in order for you to gain more money. It gets worse. Monsanto Corporation, 40,000 shares. All you gotta do is type in Monsanto in any search engine and see what this company does to your food. Genetically modified food they do things to the food that they don't want you to know. So they made sure that legislation is never passed so that there would be a label on your food letting you know the difference between what has been genetically modified by them and what is naturally from the ground. When God did it, he did it right from the beginning. Now we have a company coming in saying we're going to top God. And we're going to genetically modify the food and feed it to the humans, feed it to the people, and not tell them what we're putting in it. You need to do some research on Monsanto and find out who they are. And then ask, why in the world is the governing body, the Watchtower Bible Track Society, invested in that company? Gets worse. Northrop Grumman Corporation, 30,000 shares. What's Northrop Grumman? Here's their introductory video. At Northrop Grumman, we've always been on the forefront of innovation. When the world called for speed. When the world called for stealth. Intelligence. Endurance. Affordability. Adaptability. And when the world asked for the future. Staying ahead in a constantly evolving world. That's the value of performance. Northrop Grumman. That's right, Jehovah's Witness. Again, the mother organization is in the bed with the government making of military equipment. While they condemn the military and put down the military and won't let you have anything to do with military, they are funding the making of military weapons of war. It gets worse. Time Warner Incorporated, 80,000 shares. Time Warner. Time Warner is the tip of a tree that has many branches that go out from it. They also own, I believe, HBO and Cinemax. Now, simply by mentioning like Cinemax, to some of you men out there, you know what Cinemax means. Let me go ahead and put it on the screen for you and let you read it for yourself. Because it says it right there in the definition of what the Cinemax TV movie entertainment organization is about. And it says right there, 
pornographic. It deals in softcore pornographic material, as well as other movies. When people think Cinemax, they're often thinking mm-hmm, the softcore pornographic movies. Cinemax is part of Time Warner. The same Time Warner that the Watchtower Bible and Tract Society has 80,000 shares of. They're helping to promote the distribution of pornography through Cinemax, the Watchtower Bible and Tract Society. While they tell you they're God's organization, and you can't do it, you can't watch it, but they're funding it, and they didn't want you to know. There's one more in the stock portfolio here. United Technologies Corporation. What is United Technologies Corporation? Here's their introductory video. So once again, we have the governing body, leadership of the Jehovah's Witnesses, investing in a company that makes weapons of war. So while they invest in companies that make weapons of war, they come out with articles like the Watchtower, 1989, May 1st, it says, who in our time demonstrates such obedience to God's com- uh, commandments on love? Who has been persecuted, imprisoned, thrown into concentration camps, or executed because they would not take up weapons against fellow believers or even unbelievers of other nations? The record of this century's history answers only Jehovah's Witnesses. They claim they have nothing to do with military, nothing to do with joining the military, nothing to do with weapons of war, taking up weapons of war to destroy your neighbors? Really? I think these stock reports will say differently, Jehovah's Witness. You've been funding, whether you knew it or not, and I'm not coming against you. If you're a member of the group, you didn't know this. I'm trying to reach you to get you to come out of there. To get you to come out of there. They are not who they claim to be. While they tell you that you're a pacifist, you don't want nothing to do with war, you have nothing to do with war, the money you help the organization gain, they turn around and take that money and buy stock in military companies and pornographic companies. And then they turn to you like they're so holy and righteous and call themselves the anointed brothers. Watchtower, 1990, February 1st. In our century, which religion has obeyed God's law of love? Surely not 
the religions of Christendom, for they have slaughtered one another by the tens of millions in two world wars and other conflicts. Jehovah's servants are unique in obeying the rules spoken by Peter and other apostles to the high, to a high court. We must obey God, God as ruler rather than men. Sorry, that doesn't cut it. Because the Watchtower Society has helped funding the companies that make the weapons of war. You can't say you're a peaceful organization anymore because the covers have been pulled back and your nakedness is shown to the world now. And it's not much to see. Watchtower, you're busted. Jehovah's Witnesses, I'm talking to the members now. This whole eight-part series was put together to reach you to get you to come out of there they call the Watchtower Society the mother organization you need to come out of the mother you need to come out of her before Jehovah destroys her because they've been lying on him they've been lying on his son they've been lying on his word and they've been lying to you and it's only a matter of time before the watchtower is done and I don't want you to be destroyed in her if you join because you want to become a Christian that is not Christianity watchtower religion is not Christianity it is a book publishing magazine publishing property buying and selling company that operates under the disguise of a religion to be tax exempt if you want Christianity we have a Bible in our language. It's the King James Bible. It's the only one that has not been tainted by the debris and the nonsense that has happened in our generation in the last 150 years. Over 400 years ago, this was put into print for us. By anointed people, they took God's holy word, translated it into our language. And it's not hard to read. It's easy to read. All you got to do is just pick it up and read it. Who's God using today? He's certainly not using them. And I'm going to show you the evidence because in the court of law, the governing body member admitted, you got to see it. I'm not even going to give it away. Who's God using today to present his word? Hebrews chapter 1, King James Bible, first two verses. God, who in sundry times and diverse manners spake in times past unto the fathers by the prophets, hath in these last days spoken unto us by his Son, whom he hath appointed heir of all things, by whom he also made the worlds. The Son of God is the one who is over all things. The Son of God in the book of John and in the book of Revelation is called the Word of God. John chapter 1 verse 14 says, The Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. You know what else is called the Word of God? The Bible. The Bible. You want to know 
what God wants you to know? You want to know what Christianity is? You want to know what it's all about? Get yourself a King James Bible. Pick it up and start reading it. You'll find all the answer that you need here. And I know this is going to contradict what they told you. But as you're seeing in this video and all the other ones that I made, the last seven that I've made from this series, the leadership of your organization has been lying to you with a straight face. And I'm going to present to you something in a moment from this court case. Four pieces from this court case. I'm going to play it long form, which means I'm not editing. I'm going to play the question and the full answer. So nobody can say I'm taking them out of context. I'm going to play the question, the answer. The question the judge made, the answer the governing body member made. And when it's all said and done, I am praying that the chains will come off you and you will finally see the light that says I'm getting out of this organization. I'm going to grab myself a King James Bible and I'm going to believe what God is teaching me through the book. Who's God using today? His son. Who's his son? The word of God. You want to know what God wants you to do? It's right here in the book. You want to know how to become a Christian? It's right here in the book. You want to live a pure, clean life? It's in the book. It's right here in the Bible, in the King James. Don't settle for these other versions. Please don't waste your time with the other Bible versions. They've changed what the Bible is supposed to say, and I'm not going to deal with the Bible version message. I'm going to put that on a little bit later on. Stick with the King James Bible. God's word doesn't change. It's the same yesterday, today, and forever, just as Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. I have a King James Bible downstairs that's over 300 years old. And it reads word for word, just like this one. The only difference is they spelt words a little differently back then. But word for word, verse for verse, doctrine for doctrine, teaching for teaching, it's exactly the same. We're going to shift gears. I'm going to let you hear the court case. What we're going to do, I want you to see him sworn in first. And then he's going to be asked two questions. Does the governing body see themselves as disciples of Jesus Christ, modern-day disciples of Jesus Christ, and does the governing body speak for Jehovah God? And I want you to hear what the man's answer is under oath. It's going to shock you. For those of you who have been taught all your lives that the governing body speaks for Jehovah, when you get the man in court, have him swear on the Bible to tell the truth, or you go to jail... And then you ask him, are you really God's spokesman on the earth? I want you to hear his answer. So let's get started with that. I'm going to show you right now the man being sworn in, the governing body member being sworn in. I think that would be Justin. Is that something at the other end or at this end? Uh, we, can, we can see you now. Can you see us? Yeah, right. Okay. Uh, yes, Mr. Stewart. Um, thank you, Your Honour. As um, Your Honour is aware, the witness this morning is Mr. Jeffrey Jackson. Uh, there is an appearance to be uh, noted on his behalf. Could I announce my appearance on behalf of Mr. Jackson Bannon? Sorry, um, Mr. Bannon. Yes. Yes, you have leave. 
Thank you, Mr. Honor. Jackson. You need to be sworn. Yes, Your Honor. You have a Bible there. I really do. Would you take the Bible in your hand, please, and repeat after me? I swear by Almighty God. I swear by Almighty God that the evidence I shall give in this royal commission. That the evidence I shall give in this royal commission shall be the truth. Shall be the truth. The whole truth. The whole truth. And nothing but the truth. And nothing but the truth. Yes, thank you. Take a seat again, please. Thank you. Yes, Mr. Stewart. As your honour pleases. Uh, Mr. Jackson, will you state your full names and your work address, please? Yes, my name is Jeffrey William Jackson, and I work at 25 Columbia Heights, uh, but the mailing address is 124 Columbia Heights, Brooklyn, New York. Mr. Jackson, I understand you were born in Queensland, Australia in 1955, is that right? Uh, that is correct. And you were baptized as a Jehovah's Witness in Queensland in 1968? That is correct. Uh, and you left school at the age of 15 and commenced pioneering work for the Jehovah's Witnesses in Tasmania, is that right? Uh, that is correct. And thereafter you fulfilled various roles as translator and then branch committee member, first in Fiji and then in Samoa. Uh, if I could correct you, Mr. Stewart, please. Uh, first of all in Samoa and then in Fiji. Thank you. And as I understand it, in 2003 you were transferred to the translation services uh, in New York, is that right? Uh, yes, in the state of New York, but in the educational facility of Jehovah's Witnesses upstate in Patterson. And in September 2005, you were appointed as a member of the governing body of the Jehovah's Witnesses. That is correct. And as I understand it, you've served continuously in that capacity since then. Uh, that is correct as well. And on the governing body, I understand that you are a member of both the writing and the teaching committees. Is that right? Uh, if I may be allowed to explain, each governing body member has a home committee uh, where his office is based. So in my case, uh, I work in the writing department under the writing uh, committee. Uh, but then also I have the role of a consultant uh, with the teaching committee as well as the personnel committee. But I do serve on the teaching and personnel committees. Yes, so as I understand it, you serve on the writing, teaching and personnel committees. Is that right? That is correct. All right, so now you've seen he's been sworn in. You see he's an official member of the governing body. His rank, he's been there over 10 years. He's one of the guys that makes all the rules for the group. As a member of the governing body and his whole position, all that's been spelled out, he's under oath now. For those who think that this whole issue of child molestation, child sexual abuse, rape, and all that that's been happening inside the organization, if you think it's all lies and deception put together by apostates, I want you to understand, first of all, I've never been a Jehovahist, therefore I can never be an apostate because I've never been a member of the group at all. 
But what you're going to see, he's under oath here. And the lawyer is going to ask, or the judge is going to ask him straightforward, is there a problem with sexual child abuse in your organization? He's under oath. Let's hear his answer. Now, do you recognize, Mr. Jackson, and in asking this question, let me make it clear, I'm not suggesting it's peculiar to the Jehovah's Witness organization. There are many, many organizations in this position. But do you accept that the Jehovah's Witness organization has a problem with child abuse amongst its members? I accept that child abuse is a problem right throughout the community, and it's something that we've had to deal with as well. And do you accept that it's presented, I withdraw that, do you accept that the manner in which your organization has dealt with allegations of child sexual abuse uh, has also presented problems? Uh, there have been changes in policies over the last 20 or 30 years where we've tried to address uh, some of those uh, uh, problem areas. And by the fact that we've changed the policy, would indicate that the original policies weren't perfect. And you accept, of course, that your organization, including people in positions of responsibility like elders, are not immune from the problem of child sexual abuse? Uh, that appears to be the case. And do you ask Mr. Jackson that many of the efforts that are being made by different people and organizations to highlight the issue of child sexual abuse and try and find solutions are genuine efforts to improve the situation? I do accept that, and that's why I'm happy to testify. And that such efforts are not necessarily an attack on your organization or its system of beliefs? Uh, we understand that too. You described earlier in your testimony that the work of the this Royal Commission is beneficial. Do you accept then that the Royal Commission's efforts are genuine and well-intentioned? I certainly do. And that's why we came into the Royal Commission hoping that collectively something would come forward that would help us as well as everybody else. And would you disagree then with anyone who said that the efforts to highlight and deal with child sexual abuse in the Jehovah's Witness Church uh, is engaging in apostate lies? Uh, I guess that's a, a broad question because sometimes those who make these accusations make many other accusations as well. Uh, but let me assure you, uh, the person making the accusation is not the main thing. The main thing is, is there some basis to the accusation? And if there is some, some way that we can improve, the governing body is always interested in seeing how we can refine our policies. So you just heard it there officially from the governing body that indeed there is a child sexual abuse issue going on inside the Watchtower Society. He mentioned that the elders are part of it. And I'm sure if you're a Jehovah's Witness and you're seeing this, you had no idea because they're not telling you which elders are involved in this. If you saw video number one of the Hidden from Jehovah's Witness series, you saw news article after news article from all over the world of this sexual abuse, rape, and child molestation going on all over the world. 
I recommend you check it out. Hidden from Jehovah's Witness video number one. It's free. Just look it up on YouTube and just be astonished, just like I was when I was doing the research and found all this stuff out. Okay? They're trying to keep this hidden from you. They're trying to keep this court case hidden from you. They didn't want you to know that a governing body member had to appear in court over this whole sexual uh, child abuse issue thing. They want you to think that the Watchtower Society is this clean, wholesome, pure organization that is unlike any other religion. But in actuality, it's no different than any other religion except Christianity. It's light years different than Christianity because the Watchtower leaders don't want you reading the book. They don't want you reading the Bible. They want you reading their books and magazines instead. I'm going back to it. You know I'm going back to it. Those of you who have been following the series, for those of you who are Jehovah's Witnesses who might not agree with what I just said, that the Jehovah's Witness leaders don't want you reading the Bible, I want you to listen to what they said here. Watchtower, August 15, 1981. They said, From time to time there have arisen from among the ranks of Jehovah's people those who, like the original Satan, have adapted an independent fault-finding attitude. They say that it is sufficient to read the Bible exclusively either alone or in small groups at home. But strangely, through such Bible reading, they have reverted back to the apostate doctrines that commentary by Christendom's clergy were teaching a hundred years ago. They don't want you reading the Bible. Because if you actually pick up a King James Bible and start reading it, you're going to begin to see that what they're teaching you is not true. And there's a lot of things they were teaching that's not true. That's part of why this series is being put together. So the issue of child molestation confirmed under oath by a member of the governing body. You may wonder, where are the other members of the governing body? How come they haven't showed up? How come they didn't show up for this hearing? Didn't they care about the flock? On your screen should be a news article from 9news.com over in Australia. You can type that in. Uh, that full address is at the bottom of the screen there to get this article. And you'll see that the uh, Jehovah's Witness leaders didn't bother to show up. This one man governing body member showed up representing the others. The others didn't even bother to show up. Now what this video is going to do is it's going to present to you who the governing body really is. Are they really God's organization on the earth or not? Under oath some things are going to come out that they'll never tell you in your books and magazines and you're going to hear it right here on this video series. Stay tuned. Okay, so he's one of the men at the top representing all seven there in that courtroom. To their members, these men are without question. These men, you're not allowed to question them. You're not allowed to challenge them. They call themselves the governing body. They call themselves the faithful and discreet slave or the slave. And they put themselves in a position, as far as their members are concerned, where there is Jehovah at the top, and then right underneath him is this group of men, the governing body. So they have a really high position in the minds of Jehovah's Witnesses. And I want you to hear in a little bit what this man has to say, because what they're saying in their publications is a little bit different than what they're saying when they're under oath in a court of law. When they know if you lie in court and you're caught lying in court, you're going to jail, all of a sudden their story sort of changes around a little bit. So I'm going to let you check that. But really quick, I want to go through what the leadership have to say to their members concerning themselves and how they view themselves. Take a listen to this. Kingdom Ministry, September 2007, the U.S. edition says, Thus, the faithful and discreet slave does not endorse any literature, meetings, or websites that are not produced or organized under its oversight. In uh, Watchtower, 
June 15, 1957, it says, It is vital that we appreciate this fact and respond to the directions of the slave as we would to the voice of God, because it is his provision. So they're equating themselves with God's voice on the earth. And this one here, it says, In effect, Jesus also conveys Jehovah's voice to us as he directs the congregation through the faithful and discreet slave. We need to take this guidance and direction seriously for our everlasting life depends on our obedience. Watchtower, 2014, August 15th, uh, page 21. So this one here is from the Pay Attention to Yourself and Auto Flock, page 13. It says, Today Jehovah provides instructions by means of the faithful steward, page 13. So this gives you some idea as to how the leadership views themselves and presents themselves to their members. Here's a couple of more. Watchtower, October 1st, 1967. It says, Make haste to identify the visible theocratic organization of God that represents his king, Jesus Christ. It is essential for life. Doing so, be complete in accepting its every aspect. Watchtower, October 1st, 1967. Watchtower, October 1st, 1967, again, we cannot claim to love God, yet deny his word and channel of communication. So they're saying if you deny the channel, you don't love God. Again, can you show me in my Bible where I'm supposed to channel God? I don't see it in my King James Bible, but they keep calling themselves a channel. This one here says, no matter where we may live on earth, God's word continues to serve as a light to our path and a lamp to our roadway as to our conduct and beliefs. But Jehovah God has also provided his visible organization, his faithful and discreet slave, made up of spirit-anointed ones to help Christians in all nations to understand and apply properly the Bible in their lives. Unless we're in touch with this channel of communication that God is using, we will not progress along the road of life no matter how much Bible reading we do. Again, we have the Watchtower Society attacking the Bible and putting their words above the Word of God. They want you instead reading their books and their magazines. And they want you to believe that by reading their books and their magazines, which has to go through their governing body before reaching them, they're told that by reading the books and magazines, they're actually studying the Bible rather than picking up the Bible and reading it as studying the Bible. So their viewpoint is you can't get truth from God unless it comes through them, right? It's as clear as day in all these publications. Here's one more. This one here is the uh, 1983 bound volume of the Watchtower. 1983, January 15th. This is what they had to say in a section marked, believe it or not, as fight against independent thinking. That's right. The Watchtower, January 15th, 1983, page 27. It says... Fight against independent thinking, and this is what they wrote here. As we study the Bible, we learn that Jehovah always guides his servants in an organized way. And just as in the first century there was only one true Christian organization, so today Jehovah is using only one organization. Yet there are some who point out that the organization has had to make adjustments before. And so they argue, this shows that we have to make up our own minds on what we, took, uh, what we believe. This is independent thinking. Why is it so dangerous? 
Such thinking is evidence of pride, and the Bible says pride before a crash and a haughty spirit before stumbling. If we get to thinking that we know better than the organization, we should ask ourselves, where do we learn Bible truth in the first place? Will we know the way of truth if it had not been for the guidance of the organization? Really? Can we get along without the direction of God's organization? No, we cannot. When we consider the mighty spirit forces that are fighting against us, we must acknowledge on our own that we cannot possibly win. Yet with God's backing and with the help and support of his organization, our worldwide association of brothers, we cannot lose. So the leadership of the Jehovah's Witnesses make it clear that to them, you don't question them, you don't challenge them, you don't think independently, you have to believe in them, you have to trust in them if you want salvation. They said here in the uh, page that I read here earlier that it's God's provision. Watchtower 1957, it's God's provision that you go in that particular route. They want you to believe this is what God wants you to do. Well, here's what I want you to check out. Under oath, this member of the governing body makes a very important statement. He's asked point blank, is the governing body God's representatives on the earth? And I want you to hear his answer. Now, does the governing body or do the members of the governing body, um, do you see yourselves as modern day disciples, the modern day equivalent of Jesus' disciples? Uh, we certainly hope to follow Jesus and be his disciples. And do you see yourselves as Jehovah God's spokespeople on earth? Uh, that, I think, would seem to be quite presumptuous to, to say that uh, we are the only spokesperson that God is using. Uh, the, clear, the scriptures clearly show uh, that uh, someone can act in harmony with God's Spirit in uh, giving comfort and help in the congregations. So now you're seeing firsthand who the governing body really is. In their books and magazines and articles and everything, they say that they are God's organization and nobody else. But when you get them under oath in a court of law, where they either tell the truth or you go to jail, then they admit, mm, well, we wouldn't be so presumptuous as to say we're the only ones. But isn't that what we just read from their articles? And that's just the tip of the iceberg of all the articles they've written about themselves, claiming that if you want to be in favor with Jehovah, you have to obey the governing body or the faithful and discreet slave. Now you find out in this video, they're not God's organization at all. They can't even come out and say it in the court of law under oath because they know if they say it, they're going to be caught lying. That would have been the perfect opportunity if they really was God's organization to say, indeed, we are God's organization. We've been God's organization since 1918. We've been preaching the truth. No, he couldn't do it because he knows it has nothing to do with Jehovah. It has to do with their organization making lots of money and having power over a lot of people. Okay, before I show you this, it's important that I show you this article from, I believe it is Awake Magazine, January 8th, 1947. Some of you saw this in an earlier video that I did on this topic of shunning. In this article from the Watchtower Society, they spelled out that the Catholic Church was wrong for shunning members that leave the group 
and they said that this whole practice of shunning members who leave the group is a pagan practice. This is the Watchtower Society, 1947, telling you that if you shun a member who leaves the group, you are participating in a pagan practice. Here's what it says, second paragraph on the side of the page. Where then did this practice originate? The Encyclopedia Britannica says that papal excommunication is not without pagan influence, and its variations cannot be adequately explained unless account be taken of several non-Christian analogies of excommunication. The superstitious Greeks believed that when an excommunicated person dies, the devil enters the body. And therefore, in order to prevent it, the relatives of the deceased cut the body in pieces and boiled them in wine. Even the Druids had a method of expelling those who lost faith in their religious superstitions. It was therefore after Catholicism adopted its pagan practices, A.D. 325, that this new chapter in religious excommunication was written. Thereafter, as the pretension of hierarchy increased... The weapon of excommunication became the instrument by which the clergy attained a combination of ecclesiastical power and secular tyranny that finds no parallel in history. So they're telling you that shunning members who leave the group was adopted by the Catholic Church through pagan practices. It is a pagan practice. You have the Watchtower Society participating in this pagan practice. And what I want you to hear is this governing body member defending this pagan practice practiced by Jehovah's Witnesses. I also want you to notice bottom part of the left paragraph. The chapters that they use to prove that this is a pagan practice. It says, this is common law which the Roman Catholic hierarchy seeks to enforce on the pretext that it is God's law. The authority for excommunication, they claim, is based upon the teachings of Christ and the apostles as found in the following scriptures. Matthew 18, 15 through 19, 1 Corinthians 5, 3 through 5. When this governing body member is asked, do you have any biblical foundation for this teaching? Listen to him say 1 Corinthians 5. The very same verse that they use to prove that this doctrine is actually a pagan doctrine is the verse that he goes to to support this pagan doctrine of shunning members who leave the group. Take a listen to this. ...that are sought merely to, to become inactive or to fade, they then still subject to the organization's discipline and rules. Uh, if they acknowledge being one of Jehovah's Witnesses. And if they do the contrary, which is to say they're not one of Jehovah's Witnesses, the effect of that is disassociation. Uh, that's if they decide to go down that course. And if they don't actively disassociate, then they will be disfellowshipped as apostates. <coughs> uh, no, uh, an apostate, no. Uh, an apostate is someone who actively uh, goes against uh, what the Bible teaches. Well, if the elders come on the door to a former member and they, and or sorry, to a, to a member who's been inactive and sought to fade away, and says, "Well, are you uh, still a Jehovah's Witness or not?" and the person says, "Well, I no, I don't want to be a Jehovah's Witness," 
the consequence of that will be either disfellowshipping or disassociation, won't it? No, I don't agree with that, and not from what I've seen. Uh, like, can I just say this hypothetical situation, which is uh, a, probably a, a one that could happen, two elders call at the door of someone, they're not going to come out and say, hello, I'm celebrating Christmas. Uh, it presupposes that Jehovah's Witnesses have some sort of spy network to monitor these people, which we don't. Uh, but if that person says, look, I was baptised as one of Jehovah's Witnesses, but I'm no longer active, uh, no doubt the elders will say, well, we would encourage you to return. You know, is there anything we can do to help you? Now, in that process of them returning, if they feel prompted uh, to say that they have been living a lifestyle that is contrary to what Jehovah's Witnesses would uh, live, uh, then certainly uh, we would handle that. Well, let's take that hypothesis where they this household. Uh, this household. Uh, Mr. Jackson, can you hear me? I can, yes. Let's, Sorry, you, you started, I didn't hear a question. Yes, it uh, was echoing back at me, but it seems to have been resolved. Mr. Jackson, let's take that hypothesis of the two elders visit the household of someone who's been inactive for some time and seek to explore whether that person will come back to the active fold and encourage them to do so, in the process of which in visiting that household, they find that that person is, in the eyes of the Jehovah's Witness, living in sin. That person would then be subject to the discipline of the organisation, wouldn't they? Uh, in a case such as that, yes. And their only way to avoid that would be to disassociate. Uh, if they didn't want to go through the process, but uh, might I mention in your hypothetical situation, the person has indicated that they want to come back and... Uh, many, many uh, people in that situation do want to come back. No, Mr. Jackson, my hypothetical had nothing to do with anyone wanting to come back. My hypothetical is premised on the basis that someone wants to leave uh, or not be involved, and I'm exploring the possibility which you put out there of them being able to just become inactive and not actually end up outside the organisation or not end up disassociating. Mm -hmm. Do you understand? So, I do. Sorry, I was uh, I misunderstood the fact that you said that they uh, were they'd indicated they wanted to come back. I'm sorry. So, the point we've we've got to then is that, as I understand it, is that uh, a person who's become inactive and wishes merely to remain inactive uh, is still subject to the organisation's rules and discipline. Not so. Uh, you want to come back, but we don't. We don't run a police state where we go and try and force people to follow our, our, uh, our beliefs. Well, leaving that to one side, the point is if, for example, the elders visited and found the person to be living in sin in the eyes of the Jehovah's Witnesses, then uh, the elders would, following the process and procedures, uh, discipline that person under the rules of the organisation, not so? Uh, yes, according, like in a situation where uh, it was found that someone who claimed to be one of Jehovah's Witnesses uh, was living in sin, uh, then the elders would try to ascertain well, what needs to be done. We obviously want to help the person, so the first step would be to ascertain 
do they want to come back? Are they willing to uh, uh, change what they're doing? Uh, and if ultimately the person uh, is willing to talk to us, uh, then yes, uh, that would be involved with the judicial process. But if they're not, then either they must disassociate or they'll be disfellowshipped. Uh, that would be in, in that particular case, but I can think of many scenarios where it wouldn't be. And it's right, isn't it, in the case of both disassociation and disfellowshipping, the remaining members of the Jehovah's Witnesses cannot associate with the disassociated or disfellowshipped person? Yes, that's according to the Bible principles, which I'm sure you've already read. And that it's even family members not living in the same household. Freedom from the organization on the one hand and friends, family and social network on the other. Uh, I thought I made it quite clear that I don't agree with that uh, supposition. Well, I uh, you see, are we talking about a gross sin that's been committed or someone who just wants to leave Jehovah's Witnesses? Let me, let me clarify it. If someone no longer wants to be an active Jehovah's Witness and they're not uh, in the community viewed as a Jehovah's Witness, we do not have a so-called spiritual police force to go in and handle that. Mr. Jackson, the reality of the situation is, is that one, a person who's been baptized a Jehovah's Witness is thereafter either in the organization or out of it. Is that not right? I think perhaps you've uh, got your facts a little wrong there. Well, I, I don't think that's correct because you've accepted already, Mr. Jackson, that a person in the situation you've postulated of merely becoming inactive is still subject to the rules of the organization. Uh, yes, but if I can mention, Mr. Stewart, your first uh, proposition you put forward, that they meet someone who's celebrating Christmas. Uh, yeah, this person is not associating with other Jehovah's Witnesses, not actively uh, trying to change other people and so on. Uh, a person su such as that is not going to be handled judicially, as far as I understand. They... So, sorry, I have to disagree with you. Well, no, but, but Mr. Jackson, you dis someone. you're disagreeing on the example of what they do wrong. And that's not my point. My point is they may do nothing wrong, but they're still subject to the rules of the organization in the event that at some point they do do something wrong. I will agree with that, but I don't so, agree with the sweeping statement. They only have the two choices. Well, that was the point I was disagreeing with. Well, it's right then, isn't it? Because if they don't want to be subject to the discipline and rules of the organization, then they have to leave by actively dissociating. Isn't that the truth? Uh, that's if they definitely don't want to be, yes. But there are some that uh, do not want to make that active move. Well, the result then is, is they're faced with the choice between the freedom, of the freedom from the organization on the one hand and having to leave the, lose their family and friends and social network on the other. Uh, that's how you would like to put it, Mr. Stewart. But I thought I'm trying to say that there are those, some of whom I have heard of, that uh, just fade away and uh, they're, they're not actively Jehovah's Witnesses. And, Mr. Jackson, you, you've put it that they have a choice uh, to leave or not to leave. For someone who wants to leave, perhaps because they've suffered abuse 
by someone in the organization and don't feel that it's been treated properly or adequately, it's a very difficult choice, isn't it? Because they must choose. I agree with that. And it can, yes. be, it can be a very cruel choice for them, not so. I agree. It's a difficult choice. And it can be personally devastating because they can lose their whole social network and their families. Uh, that can be the case, yes. Would you accept then that putting people to that choice through this system of disassociating from them or shunning, as it's sometimes referred to, is contrary to the Jehovah's Witness belief in freedom of religious choice? Uh, no, I don't accept that. Uh, I think you're jumping to a conclusion there, but I understand that you have that opinion. Well, on what basis do you not accept that? Because right throughout uh, the arrangement with Jehovah's Witnesses, people have to make choices based on their own freedom, free will. For example, uh, to be baptised. If someone walks up to us and says, I want to get baptised, we're not going to allow them to be baptised. They have to, first of all, understand the arrangement of Christian living. Uh, usually it takes uh, one or two years for them to go through uh, both the publications that we have uh, so that they personally can make that commitment. So that is a choice that they made. Now, we are not forcing them in any ways to remain in our organisation. But a point to, to remember is that the ultimate uh, standard that we believe in is the Bible, and we feel it's good for people to live by the Bible. The fact that many who have been disfellowshipped return of their own free will is an indication that they likewise still believe that it's a good lifestyle. Mr. Jack, you were baptised at age 13, am I right? I certainly was, yes. And there are, in fact, many Jehovah's Witnesses who are baptised at an age even younger than that? Uh, there have been some I have met that have been baptised younger. And do you consider that at that age someone is old enough and mature enough to make a decision affecting the rest of their lives? Uh, yes, I do in some cases. Obviously, uh, there are uh, some children that uh, wouldn't be able to make that decision. And perhaps some would have questioned whether I could make that decision at 13 years of age. But I've worked with people that have been baptised when they were 11, and they have stuck by that determination their whole life. Well, that may be because they can't leave the organisation without leave, leaving behind everyone whom they know. Uh, anything is possible. Mm. You see, let's take someone who's baptised at, at a young age and then as lie elsewhere, and they want to choose some other system of belief they're then still going to be faced with the stark choice that we've identified, aren't they? That's true. So on that basis, I suggest to you that that policy and practice of your organisation is in conflict with the Jehovah's Witnesses' belief, as you've said it, it is, in freedom of religious choice. And no, we don't see it that way, but you're entitled to your opinion. And I suggest also that it's in conflict with the idea of a loving and a compassionate God. Uh, certainly, uh, that wouldn't be in harmony with the Bible, what the Bible says, because at times uh, Jehovah disciplined his uh, uh, people by having them go into exile, come back. So 
that Jehovah is someone who believes in the ultimate overall benefit of good for persons. And some that, sometimes that includes uh, some form of uh, discipline. And do you accept that putting people to that choice <clears throat> makes your organization in many respects a captive organization? I do not accept that at all. Is there a scriptural basis to this policy of shunning? Yes. Thank you very much for the opportunity to express it. First uh, Corinthians is the scripture, and no doubt you've seen it already. But First um, Corinthians, that's on page 1530. Can you just identify? First uh, uh, Corinthians chapter 5. And uh, starting at verse 1, it speaks of a situation where there was sexual immorality in the congregation in Corinth. Sorry, Mr. Jackson, I, I'm really just asking, is there a scriptural basis? And you've identified what it is, because my next oh, question is, okay. is can it, can it change? In other words, is there a basis upon which you foresee that your organization might be able to change that policy? Uh, no. So now you've heard it. They acknowledge in this article, January 8, 1947, that the doctrine of shunning members who leave the group is a pagan doctrine. It says here that it has no authority in the scriptures. Matter of fact, let me read it right here. But the hierarchy's excommunication as a punishment and medicinal remedy, Catholic Encyclopedia, finds no support in the scriptures. In fact, it is altogether foreign to Bible teachings. This doctrine of shunning members who leave. It's a pagan doctrine by their own admission. Yet, when he's asked, is there a chance you can change this doctrine? You know, this doctrine is destroying people's families. It's ruining people's lives, the whole nine yards. Is there a chance you can change this doctrine, this pagan doctrine that you guys are following? And he said, no. No. When you read this article, the last paragraph on this page 27 says, Thereafter, as the pretension of the hierarchy increased, the weapon of excommunication, which is disfellowshipping, the weapon of excommunication became the instrument by which the clergy attained a combination of ecclesiastical power and secular tyranny that finds no parallel in history until now. The Watchtower Society has now become parallel to the Roman Catholic system of shunning people who leave the group and I'm going to tell you why they shun people who, the real reason why they shun people who leave the group they tell you to shun them because when they left they left for a reason and that reason might be good enough that if you heard about it you'd leave too I'm going to show you one more part and then we're going to end this video the issue of corporal punishment which is spanking or whipping your kids because they're not listening, not paying attention, whatever, the governing body member is going to be asked point blank about this issue. And you who are Jehovah's Witnesses are going to be left with a question, did this man just lie? I want you to hear him dance around the issue, and then you're going to see what actually happens and what he actually says. And if you're a Jehovah's Witness and you're watching this, and this man lied, if he lied, you're clear. You can leave because God's organization, first of all, there's no such thing as God's organization. 
There's God's word. But there's no such thing as God's organization. You're free to leave. They have no authority over you. They can disfellowship you all they want. They have no authority over you. Take a listen to what he says about this. And you tell yourself, you've been there in the kingdom, huh? You've been there. You've seen what's happened. Did he lie or did he tell the truth? Take a listen. You've got the Bible there. If you go to, if you go to 1 Timothy chapter 3. Yes. Verse 4. There's a discussion of a man presiding over his household having his children in subjection. Now, what does that mean? That's a very good question, Your Honour. Biblically speaking, the word subjection infers respect uh, and a willingness to comply with direction. Um, It does not... uh, your, Your Bible then provides a reference back to... Ephesians chapter 6, verse 4. That is correct. Which imposes the obligation on fathers to bring their children up in the discipline and admonition of Jehovah. What's the discipline of Jehovah? So, Your Honour, the original language word that discipline it indicates a process of teaching, educating, making a disciple. Well, from that reference in Ephesians, your Bible takes us back to Proverbs chapter 13, verse 24. Proverbs 13, 24, yes. And the exact quote is, whoever holds back his rod hates his son. What does that mean? Uh, so, Your Honour, you'll notice there's an asterisk there on the term rod, and you see the footnote? Yeah. Uh, discipline or punishment. Uh, so, in the application of this, uh, the, the term rod is used as uh, a symbol or a metaphor to indicate the authority to, uh, to give some punishment. For example, in a modern-day setting, uh, my father could say to me, Uh, I don't go to the movies because I had uh, broken some of the rules of the home. So it's not about inflicting corporal punishment then? It absolutely is not about inflicting corporal punishment. It would have been when first written, wouldn't it? Uh, How people applied it back then at that time, of course, is, uh, uh, is open to question. Well, what you're telling me, as I understand it, is that your religion, your church, is prepared to interpret the Bible having regard to contemporary social attitudes and standards. Is that right? Uh, Obviously, Your Honour, we need to take that into consideration. But the primary responsibility we have is to think, what does Jehovah God mean by this? And uh, we look at other scriptures... Uh, one of the problems that many folk have when they read the Bible is they take one verse and they assume it means something out of context or not in reference to other scriptures. So for our understanding, uh, Jehovah has said that children should be raised in a loving environment. Jesus was raised in such an environment. 
Well, I've taken you to the way your own church constructs the biblical references, which, as we've noticed, takes us back to Proverbs. Correct? That is correct. But what you've given us is the understanding which your church now has about how that's to apply in contemporary society. Is that right? Um, that's a good question. Obviously, I can only speak about what we understand this to mean now, but I would argue the case that even back in ancient times, uh, God did not have in mind for children to be beaten up in a bad way. Does your church accept corporal punishment of children? Uh, our church accepts uh, the family arrangement and expects that uh, uh, parents have the responsibility to discipline and raise their children. That doesn't answer my question. Do you accept corporal punishment? Uh, in our literature, I think you'll see time and time again, we've endeavoured to explain that here, discipline is referring to more a mental uh, point of view. I regret to tell you, you're still not answering my oh, question. Sorry. Do you accept okay. corporal punishment? No. You don't? Not, not personally, no. And not as an organisation. We don't encourage it. But do you prohibit it? Uh, our literature has pointed out that the true way to discipline children is by educating them, not uh, giving corporal punishment. I can only, Your Honour, I can only tell you the spirit behind our writings. Well, the question on the table is simple. Did he lie? You know whether he did or not. Under oath. And I'm going to let you know. If he's willing to lie under oath and lie to Jehovah, he'll have no problem lying to you. And this whole series has shown you that the Watchtower Bible and Tract Society has been lying to you over and over and over and over and over again. You might want to go back and watch this video again. Let it sink in. If there ever was a reason to leave, I think this video has uncovered a lot of things that you need to know. As for me, I'm going to end this video the way I've ended various other ones. The verse that I stand on and why I continue to defend my faith against religions, not just Jehovah's Witnesses, but other religions as well. They claim to be Christian, but they're not teaching the book, not teaching this Bible. I just defend my faith, that's all. And I think in this series, I've laid down this rock-solid case as to why I believe what I believe. The governing body member there said that he's not even sure if he's a disciple of Jesus Christ, and he didn't want to say whether or not they were really God's spokesman on the earth. God has one spokesman on this earth. His word. His word. In English, is the King James Bible, not the other versions, the King James Bible. The other versions teach a completely different doctrine. 
Stick with the King James. Can't go wrong. I bet if you ask this man, after all these years as a Jehovah's Witness, if he was to finally die, would he ever make it to the kingdom? I'm sure his answer would be the same as all the rest of the Jehovah's Witnesses that I've asked that question to. Their answer is always, I don't know. No matter how long they've been there, their answer is always, I don't know. But I can tell you this, I do know. As a Christian, I do know I'm going to make it. It's not because I'm good, because I'm not good. I'm human. It's not because of what I've done. It's because of what Jesus did for me. And this book doesn't leave you in doubt, wondering whether or not you've been good enough. Because it's not about being good. Our goodness means nothing to God. It's his goodness. And his mercy and his grace that we, who were sinners, who deserve damnation and hell, he's willing to forgive and grant us heaven even though we didn't deserve it but because we trusted in him trusted in his son Jesus Christ he'll grant us heaven and he guarantees it it's guaranteed how do I know 1 John chapter 5 verse 13 John explains why he wrote this portion of the Bible he says these things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that ye may know that ye have eternal life, and that ye may believe on the name of the Son of God. You believe on the name of the Son of God, Jesus Christ? You can know that ye have eternal life. You put yourself in any other religion out there, doesn't matter, Roman Catholicism, Jehovah's Witness, Mormon, Muslim, doesn't matter. You put yourself in any other religion, you'll never know if you're good enough for their God to let you into his heaven if he existed to have a heaven. The God of this book is the living God who has a heaven for his people. And he has one way for you to get there. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. And Jesus is called the Word of God. And the Bible is called the Word of God. Grab yourself a King James Bible. Start to read it. Ask Jesus to forgive you of your sins and be forgiven. And have that same guarantee that I have. And as you're reading this King James Bible, no matter what religion you come from, you let God's word speak to you. It's not going to lie to you. This King James Bible is not going to lie to you. Pick it up. Read it. And anywhere in here where it contradicts what they've taught you in your other religion, you let God's word be true and let every man be a liar. Let God's word be true and every man be a liar.